few years ago, I had uh, a computer at home that needed updated. It was like a Commodore 64 or something like that. It needed updated. It was really old. It wasn't quite that old. but. Uh, and so I, I got some advice from a friend. He said, you know, install one of these antivirus programs while you're at it. So he gave me uh, the name of it. I went to the site and downloaded it and downloaded it. came across the screen and said, your system's clean. Every time I started the computer up for the next few weeks, your system's clean. And then a few weeks later, I noticed that from on my credit card, there was these strange charges from Canada. And so I thought, what's my wife been doing shopping in Canada? That wasn't the case. The case was that I'd gotten my credit card stolen because I had gone to a faulty site, given my credit card to download the program, which wasn't actually doing anything because to add insult to injury, I got a virus a few weeks later. And so I was angry. I was like, okay, how, how can this go on? But I'm not that different than everybody else because 86% of us get something stolen every one to five years. Every 1.3 seconds, someone's identity is stolen. And so we look at this issue of stealing in the Eighth Commandment, and it's all around us. It's, it's part of the fabric, and we, we become sort of cold to it because we almost expect it. We put security systems in. There's entire industries that are born out of this issue of stealing. You know, and as I looked at the other commandments, this has been a great series, by the way, because it's each commandment, you sort of look at it and you go, well, that's sort of a list, right? That's an old list. This thing has been brought to life in, in this series because it's dealing with the heart issue. We're going to talk about that today, the heart of stealing. But when you look at the other commandments and you start to notice that stealing is actually kind of wound into some of these other commandments. So commandment one, put other gods before me, is stealing God's authority. Remember the Sabbath, commandment four, is stealing the focus of our worship. Thou shalt not murder, stealing someone's life. Thou shalt not bear false witness, stealing someone's reputation. People pick and pluck and plunder and think it's all okay. And you know, we're not exempt here either. It happens in the church. You know, our, our, our worship team, well, we have no instruments this morning. But I, that's not true. They're all on the other end, actually. But it has happened. We've had our worship team They've had instruments stolen. And we've had, you know, Brad talked about the poorhouse. And by the way, if any of you were the one who stole from the poorhouse this week, do it again. Because it was a great return on investment for us. All that money is given away. So we, we, we love the idea that that multiplied. But stealing is not exempt from any of us. In fact, stealing happens in more than just physical ways. So... Here's some statistics that might, that might actually shock you. Unpaid taxes. What would you guess in unpaid taxes each year? $300 billion in unpaid taxes estimated. Stolen retail out of stores. Over $100 billion a year in the United States. This one's a little more close to home because it affects all of us. 20% of every employee in an employee survey admit that they steal in unproductive time. 50% of employees regularly call in sick, take long lunches, don't show up on time, and think it's okay. And only, this astounds me, only 25% of employees actually admit that they give their best effort at work, which means that three out of four 
are slacking off. So is that stealing? And is this what the issue of the command, eighth commandment was talking about in stealing? Well, let's look at that a little bit closer. You know, God says this. He says, the earth is mine. This is Psalm 24. And everything in it. The earth is mine and everything in it. There's really three worldviews. There's a communist view that says everything belongs to the state. And then there's a capitalist view that says, no, no, no. Everything belongs to the people. And then there's this Bibleist view that says, no, 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 everything belongs to God. So which one runs your life? Which one do you, do you, do you guide by? And, and I know this is hard. Trust me, I went to Starbucks twice this week preparing for this sermon thinking, wow, am I really like, should I do this? Or, you know, I was feeling guilty. So it, it, we're, we're not exempt, and that's not wrong. It's just how do you appropriate your giving? How do you appropriate your heart? And that's what we're going to talk about today is really the heart of a giver and the heart of a thief. Here's a few other things that are stolen. Hotel towels are, on the to- are, are near the top of the list. Paying for one movie and seeing two. Taking copy paper from work. Sip-stealing fountain drinks from the local 7-Eleven. Downloading music. And the number one stolen item, razor blades cartridges. I guess they're just small. You can stick them in your pocket. And they're expensive. We can steal in other ways. Making fun of people is stealing their respect. Not doing what you'll say you do steals someone's trust. A husband not loving his wife stealing her confidence. Parents who exasperate or ignore their children steals their security. Stealing music is taking someone's talent. And so the issue that God addresses in the commandment is this. He didn't create or fashion you to take. He fashioned us to give. But from the very first human being where where Adam and Eve plucked the fruit from the tree, there was something stolen immediately. So we're in this environment. I believe that's why this commandment is so important. Because if you really get down to it, the issue is entitlement. And it is hard, hard, hard today to avoid what I am entitled to. Isn't it like that sometimes? We're like crazed animals. We see something on an ad in our marketing world, and trust me, I work in it, is selling us not a product. They're selling you uh, the sense of belonging. Or we're selling the the sense of uh, feeling of trust or the feeling of security. Here's my favorite. Let's sell this audience attention. So we live in this world where we're bombarded by the things that we want to go run after. And even at a very young age, we see our children. One of the first words that they learn, mine. That's mine. Because, because they're surrounded with things. And I believe this commandment is important because it sets right in the center of what our universe is shaped around. It's the things, it's the running after of things. And God says, no, it's not about running after the things that are yours. I'm giving you the things you need to run after me. And so we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at, at, at what Jesus even faced. Because even in the garden, if you go back to the garden, just hours before Jesus was about to be crucified, he kneels down three times and says, Lord, it's not my will, it's your will. And he went back to his disciples who were sleeping and said, <laughs> Can you not stay awake with me? I'm struggling with this. So 
even Jesus was faced with this issue of what's mine versus what's yours. So let's, let's look at this this morning. We're going to read out of Matthew 25. If you want to look there, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll read a few excerpts. Um, and we're going to just tell the story. So let me set it up. About two days before Jesus was going to be crucified, he goes to the Mount of Olives. It's a mountain with a bunch of olives. And at the base of that mountain, there's a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. So he was very close to about where, where he was going to be crucified or be given up and his life given over. And he starts teaching about himself leaving and what's going to happen when I return, but what are you going to do in that period of time between when I leave and when I return? He starts teaching on the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven and, the, and his kingdom here on earth to entrust it to us. So we get to this place in Matthew 25 and 14, and he starts to tell the story about three servants. And so we're going to look at the parable of the three talents. We're going to break it down in two ways. The heart of a giver, and the heart of a thief. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're not going to read it all, but essentially it starts out that the master leaves and goes on a long journey, and he gives some things over to his his servants. So in verse 25, I'm sorry, chapter 25 and verse 15, he says this, to one he gave five talents, to the other two and to the other one, each according to their ability. And then he went away. And so what happened when the, when the, when the master leaves, he goes off on this journey, he comes back from the journey, apparently kind of surprised him, but the, the, the one that he gave five talents went off and invested somehow, some way, we're not sure, and comes back with five more. I invested, come back with five more. The one with two did the same. Put his hands to work, went and came back and made two more. And the one with one talent buried it, sat on it, did nothing with it, and the master wasn't very happy about that. Came back and said, for those two of you who, who did with what I gave you according to your ability, well done, good and faithful servant. And it's funny, we hear that scripture a lot quoted in funerals. Well done, good and faithful servant, at the end of your life. But I'm not sure it was the end of these guys' life. This is like what they did in their, in their work time. And then so the one servant, wicked, lazy servant, go out where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. But we hear the servant making excuses. Verse 25, I was afraid of you. And so I went and I hid the talent in the ground, but here it's yours. You can have it back. And then in verse 29, Jesus comes back and he summarizes the, the, the parable. And he says, for everyone who is given, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So we look at this and go, wow, it's pretty heavy. So let's just play this out, right? So let's, you guys play along with me this morning. And uh, we're going we're gonna to role play. So, so section, let's give section one. Uh, actually, let's call you um, section five. All right. So here's the talents. All right. They're great talents, by the way. And oh, by the way, a talent, a talent would have been uh, like a chunk of precious metal, like gold or silver. It would have been something. One talent would have been worth 15 years wages. Fifth, or five talent would have been worth 75 years wages, okay? That's the extent of my math this morning. So let's give, uh, let's say that you're section five, all right? You guys have five talents. You're, you're the five talent, all the way up. 
So this section. And let's say that this section, um, you get one talent. Congratulations this morning. And so this is, the, you've been given two talents. So, so I'm the master, just, just so everybody knows. And I'm, you're going to play along because I've given you my talents. So I go off on a journey. You've got these talents. You've got these gifts. You've got this, th- these things that are worth something to me because I own you, right? So I'm your, I'm your master. And probably the first person to line up when I come back is going to be who? This be the one with five to say, I brought your five talents and I've got five more. There you go. And my response is, well done, good and faithful servant. Guess what you get because of that? You're going to get more added to your plate. Congratulations. You did well. In fact, I watch you, section five, and I see what you do on a daily basis. I see the business that you've run. I see the integrity that you run it with. I see you leading people and them following you. In fact, I see you doing something incredibly important to my kingdom. Remember, I'm the master. I see you raising up other leaders by the way in which you conduct yourself. Your employees follow you. They love what you do. I see your family. Guys, you encourage your wives really, really well. They're proud of you. I'm proud of you. We're all happy. Way to go, five talent. In fact, when you give, you reach into your talent and you take out, remember what you've been appropriated to, the Big Dipper. And you dip into your talent bag and you start dishing it out. Well done, good and faithful servant. Section two. Let's talk to section two. You've been given a couple talents. You did a good job. You came back, you gave those talents to me. In fact, I watched you and the first thing that you did was that you went over to section five because they have some pretty special talents and more and you wanted to see how they did it so you learned from them. And you kind of followed along and you, you, you said, how did you do that? You got some advice and you took your two lines. You're kind of my middle class and you guys, you're amazing. I watch you with your kids and your kids are just like you. They run around, they're encouragers. They, when somebody's down, they pick them up because remember, you, you have that talent. I gave it to you. And so you put it to good use. When, when your coworkers need just a, an encouragement, they're working hard, they're working a lot, you go and encourage them. You lift them up. And they follow you. They give you tomatoes out of their garden. They love you. And I watch that. It's awesome. And when you give, you dip into your, your talent bag and you say, okay, I got a, I've got a medium dipper here. So that's what, that's what I give. But I fill it. I pack it. And I give it out. And that's, that's the talent I've been given and that's what I do. Section one. Here's the talent that you have. You know, I gave you this talent and all you did was sit on it. And you buried it and you're a thief. Because I gave you this talent and what you did with it was that you said, you know what, I'm going to bury this talent and I'm going to hope that you, my master, doesn't come back. Because guess what, if, if I don't come back, then you get to keep it for yourself. Why? Because it's buried in your backyard. Nobody's going to see it. I didn't give you a contract. There's no paperwork. You get to keep that talent. I know your heart. In fact, I watch you. 
and, I, and you look for opportunities to steal from their talent. And you know how you do that? You tear them down. You gossip about them. You tell them they're no good. You give them bad looks. Scoundrels. Section one, what is up with you? And so you, you've been given this talent, and you know when it's time to give from your talent? You open up, and of course. Yeah, you've got one talent. So you pull out your a little bit smaller dipper, and you say, I'm going to very carefully give out here. There's what I'm going to give. Because, well, I might put two. No, I don't want to put two in. I want to put that back. Because, you know what, this is mine. And you know what, you don't understand my situation. These guys have been given everything. In fact, I've got a, I've got a sickness. I've got a disease and you, you, don't understand my, you don't understand my life. You don't understand the job I have or how hard I work. And he and she have what I deserve. And so I'm going to take that. And then you go to section two and say, I hate when people are so positive. And I don't like that. And I'm going to look for every opportunity to, to tear that person down. And so the end of the story is essentially, look, you're sitting on your talent. You're sitting on your gift. You're sitting on your sense of pride. You're sitting on your wallet. And the only thing you're concerned about, section one, is how, how much longer are we going to be here? And when am I going to get the lunch? And that's what you're thinking about. Because that's your heart. I, it, okay, I have to tell you this. This was section one last service, and a lady bumped her husband and said, I told you we shouldn't have sat here. Okay, section one, you're playing along well, right? So thank you for playing along. But the reality of the parable is this. The Lord will come back. The Lord has given his talent. And he, and he, and he fills that talent. And you say, well, you know, look, this is pretty hard, man. You're being really hard on us here. Hey, I'm just reading the Bible. And by the way, if truth is truth, then who am I to steal the truth from you? And why would I not share this? And by the way, if I'm going to discipline my child or somebody at work, who am I to steal that discipline from them when the Lord has given me that opportunity? So the issue is this. It's all about trust. At the end of the day, do you really trust what the Lord has given you in your talent bag? Whether you feel like you've got a little bitty bag, a medium-sized bag, or a great big bag. And is it your goal to stick more in that bag for you? Or is it your, is it your goal to, to go in that bag and to find that dipper and to say, I'm going to pour out of this and I'll pour into it what I've been given. And I'm going to pour it out for the rest. And the parable is this. That's my plan. My plan is to go and to come back and, and I'm going to leave you and trust you to this. So you say, well, I didn't need to hear this, you know, this is a sermon on giving. This is a sermon on money. I know where you're going with this. It's not. This is, it, that's part of it. And you know, we have these opportunities, right, for, for giving. We have, we're in our 50th year. We're in our 50th year. So let me just talk about it. Let me not withhold this, just so you know. We're doing well. We're above budget. We've got a lot of great things going on we're trying to do. But we try really hard. It's hard. I feel bad for Tom. It's hard to talk about money. Nobody wants to do that. There's no ministers who want to do that. 
it, it's not a fun thing. And sometimes I think we probably just hold back and we don't talk about it because it's not fun. Nobody wants to talk. But the reality is this. So think about it this way. We want to do some things and we need help. And we want to go out and bless. So here's a couple of points of reality to think about. We have about 4,300 people that come to this church every 8 to 12 weeks. About 1,600 give. About 1,600 give. So it's roughly 40% or so. Okay? So you say, well, now you're just trying to make me feel guilty. No, 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 not at all. Because what the, the point of that is this. If we all gave, what could we do? We've got this 50th celebration, right? 50,000 hours of prayer, 50,000 hours of community service. We're going to raise $5 million to take care of some things at church to be able to go out and bless. How wonderful will it, would it be if we had a big truck in the parking lot and we just kept filling that truck up and whenever a tornado or a storm or a family was in need, we just drove that truck off and just blessed them. How great would it be for a bunch of young people in this congregation, and I know they're here, I've talked to them, who want to go serve in parts of the world to bless people. How great would it be to say, go, we're going to help fund that. How, how fantastic would that be? How great would it be to take these 38 ministries and missions worldwide that we support and go and just pour out on them and bless them so that they can grow? Do you know, for example, in India today, they're, they're above 10,000 and they don't even know how big it's gotten just in eight years. We want to keep blessing these types of ministries. So you say, well, you just, you know, we got this great building. We don't really need it. I'm telling you, this place is squeaky clean as it relates to how we manage our funds. It is amazing. We have a staff that, that on staff per member uh, alignment, one for every 350. Most churches our size have one for every 60 to 70 people. All right, so we're managing things, and we have all kinds of gifted and talented people doing that, but we need your help. So there's my little plug. Sorry, I guess you got to tell you, because it's easier from an elder standpoint to talk about this than it is from a minister standpoint, but it's real. Join into us and pour out when you can. It's a good opportunity. So at the end of this, you say, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't get all this. We'll, we'll turn with me real quickly to Luke 6 and take a look at this because this is the reality of giving. If you give to others, it will be given to you a full amount in return, packed down, shaken together, and spilling over in your lap. And you say, well, that's great because that's the kind of funding I want. He's not talking about funding. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit of encouragement and joy and hope and peace and patience those are the things that we get poured back. And that, that's one of, the, that's one of the, the beautiful things about this talent thing is that we get to face Jesus and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And oh, by the way, if your response is, well, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? Give it back. Remember, remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man, was up in the tree and Jesus walked through his town and he stepped down. He was a tax collector and said, he said this, if I've, give, if I've stolen anything from anyone, I'll give it back four times the amount. And I'll give half of what I earn, half of what I own to the poor. And you say, well, I don't have that to give. That's not what I'm talking about. 
So give what you give. And if, by the way, we don't sit down and look through a list and find out who's giving here. We don't even know that. We don't even know your names. We don't look at it that way. All we look at is who's involved. Where are the people? Are, 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 we, really, are we really together on this? That's what we look at. There's no, so just so you know, if you leave here and go, I wonder if my name's on a list. It's not. There, there's no good and bad list. It's between God and you. But work it out. Just work it out. All right? Final thought. When, when, uh, when God showed us the example of this, said, you know what? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show the world how to give. So God reaches into his bag. And this is a terrible illustration because God is so much bigger than this. God reaches in his bag and he pulls out the mother of all dippers, right? He says, I'm going to give my very own son and I'm going to pour him out, all right? I'm going to pour him out for you. And every day, God's dipping in and he continues to pour out Christ for us. So who is going to set this example for our world if we don't? 